and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 25 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name's Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have a return guest on the podcast, Katie Cole, and we sit down and discuss her book, Find Your Leadership Voice in 90 Days, How to Show Up, Speak Up, and Stand Out with Confidence. This is a book that I read. It's a, you know specifically written for female leaders, but at the same time, it was a book that challenged me and uh, grew in the process and really liked the way um, she wrote the book. And um, it's, it's broken up into daily segments and uh, challenging and uh, faith-based and really appreciate Katie. She's a phenomenal person to have on the podcast and to interview and get to know and um, just a great female leader and um, so much to learn from her and just thankful for her. Um, Looking forward and you're going to enjoy the conversation. Do want to thank our sponsor um, for today's episode, which is Appalachian Spring Dermatology, bringing new life to your skin. Learn more about the medical, cosmetic, and skin cancer screenings and treatments that Appalachian Spring Dermatology provides and sign up for Dr. Rosenberger's blog at wvderm.com, wvderm.com. Well, Looking forward to our time together. There's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Well, greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here again today with our friend Katie Cole and um, to get to discuss her, her new book. Katie, so great to have you back with us. Thank you, Aaron, so much. It's really a pleasure to be with you again today. Yeah, it's exciting. And um, I'm in Kenya with a West Virginia map behind me, and I assume you're in Florida. And uh, yeah, we're having a conversation. Yep. I love technology. It's such a gift, right? (laughs) For sure. For sure. Katie, could you just start... Maybe just share a little bit about yourself before we jump in, in case people did not had not yet listened to the first podcast, and then maybe share just a little bit about your your new book that we're gonna we're gonna uh, discuss today. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I live in South Florida, but I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, I've been serving in full time church ministry for the last twenty years. Primarily, the first sixteen was at a local church here that grew really rapidly. It was our home church, and uh, I was recruited to come on staff. I have a background in nursing and human resource development. They brought me in to sort of help organize and scale things as we were growing rapidly. And by the time I left, several uh, about five years ago now, I was executive director over multi-site, overseeing our nine campuses plus our online campus. And since that time, I started consulting uh, for churches primarily and a lot of businesses just on leadership development systems, how to do uh, leadership cultures in multiple locations, that kind of thing. And in the process, ran into this issue of churches really struggling to have enough leaders to fulfill their vision. And as we sort of popped the hood on that and went digging around the engine, realized that a a lot of it was around this issue of females in leadership, yeah. that there were some systems that were holding women back. There were some misunderstandings of people's theology. There was just some unhealthy culture pieces. And so I really started doing lots of research in this area, trying to unlock this issue for churches because it's such a high Um, percentage of their leadership population is oftentimes women, and it's usually almost completely under tapped. And so I wrote a book a couple years ago called Developing Female Leaders, which has some best practices for leaders and churches on this topic. And this book, Finding Your Leadership Voice in 90 Days, is really my follow-up to that book. So the first book was really focused on 
mostly men, you know, 90% of leadership roles are held by men. And I was trying to help them understand a little bit how to uh, uh, help, not help women, but also recruit, train, equip female leaders in ways that were much more effective. But as I've been speaking about it, traveling a lot, speaking at conferences, uh, consulting with a lot of churches, there are a lot of women who have questions for me also. (laughs) You know, now I'm in this church that wants to use my gifts or I got this job, but I'm not sure what to do or how to speak up, or I still have these sticky floor issues, or I'm not sure if I'm doing a good enough job, even though my boss is telling me. And and really, it came down to the fact that many, many, many women are getting great opportunities to lead, but they are miserable in it. They They don't feel confident. They don't like their job. They're questioning themselves all the time. They feel lonely. And so this is really my attempt to speak to women And really, it's all leadership principles, but I'm particularly trying to speak to women as a woman who's been there, especially when you're one of the first or only women on the team. It's a unique experience. And try to just explain what exactly does it mean to lead? When should you speak up? When should you not speak up? What are uh, maybe old habits or old teachings about gender that we need to let go of? But what are good, godly, Jesus-centered Uh, biblical principles that we need to employ. And one of the most common is, when do I say something? And, you know, we know that Jesus was silent as much as he spoke up. And so how do I do that? Like, how do I know which is which? So I tried to really kind of, um, you know, like double click on those topics and be like, here's some practical ways to think about it. Here's some biblical principles to keep in mind. Um, And hopefully it's going to help women really have some good direction. And so far, the feedback has been super positive. Well, I'm I'm not a female, but I was highly encouraged by it. And I I, honestly, I really enjoyed the format. You know, some books I can read through really quickly and um, you can kind of skim through and be done. I really appreciated the the, the format and the way it's structured because it gives you um, you read. It's a challenging point, an area of thought, and then it carries you into the the next day. And the nice the really beautiful part of it is, too, is it's um, it's very there's not a bunch of seams in it. It it flows very, very well. And um, it was exciting for me. And I'm a guy. Um, But anyway, I really enjoyed it. I grew from it. Quite a few guys are like, I read it because we were buying it for our (laughs) staff team. And I wanted to make sure what they were going to be hearing. And they're like, I learned so much from it. it, it, It was excellent. It was excellent. So, and I love the nursing stories. You know, I have a nursing um, nurse practitioner, so I love the the psych ward stories. And I'm uh, that always scared me to death on the psych ward. So, anyway, uh, kudos to you for for working there, and um, I really really enjoyed it. So, the first question I have for you is: Could you just share when you discuss leadership voice? What what does that mean? I'm not talking about just our physical voice, although our physical presence is a big piece of our leadership voice. I'm really talking about the ingredients and the mixture that God put in each of us that combines a lot of different things. And these are some of the things I talk about in the book are things like, what, what are your gifts and talents? What are your passion areas? Uh, what authority have you been given? I find that many women get a little confused. Really, many people do get yeah. confused about what authority do I have? And should I walk in that? Or do I need to be kind of re-recruited to that every time? Uh, what's our physical stature? What's our unique calling? Where has God placed us? Uh, all of those things are the ingredients that make up our leadership voice. And really, in summation, I think all of us can look back in our life, especially those of us who have been following the Lord for more than 
a month, <laughs> you know, you can see those times where you really showed up or you spoke up for something or you served someone. And it might've been some big, really influential project at work. It could have been something as simple as helping an elderly person at the grocery store, but that is you using your leadership voice. Leadership in its very core is about bringing change or positive change. I like to think about it. You can be a bad leader, but a godly leader brings positive change to a situation, right? We're trying to right the world. We're trying to bring righteousness to a broken world. And so anytime you lean in and take action that serves someone, helps a group of people, makes things better, you are using your leadership voice. And when we take some time to stop and reflect on it, and understand what our voice is, when it's when God's been with us in it. You know, sometimes I can force myself on people and it's, you know, kind of falls flat. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking those anointed moments where you did a little, a little action and a big effect took place. That's when God is really breathing into your leadership voice and speaking through you. And as believers, our goal is to have more and more of those moments in our life, be more and more surrendered, surrendered and more and more in tune with who God made us to be and what our calling really is. That's excellent. And um, yeah, it was, it's, I appreciate the clarification and um, it helped me as I read through the book, you know, just to think about myself and, um, and where my leadership voice is and um, what God has, has, has put in my life. And so that kind of leaked. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say one of the things I think for women who are listening is there's a lot of push in sort of the female world right now about using your voice and Hmm. it can feel like a lot of pressure. Use your voice. Don't let anyone stifle your voice. Don't be silenced. And that is true. However, kind of what I alluded to earlier, we know intuitively that we shouldn't speak all the time. We shouldn't dominate. We're not to be aggressive. And so part of it is really knowing how do I know and have and use my leadership voice in godly ways? And when do I actually uh, exhibit self-control and not do those things? And so that's really what we're talking about with leadership voice is using it in the right ways for the right reasons, um, because God is anointing it, not because you are afraid you, if you don't speak up, you don't matter. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. That's good. That's a good word there. And one of the things I really appreciated was your delineation between the right to speak and then the call um, call to speak. Can you share a little bit? I think that's kind of maybe what you were already alluding to, but can you go just a little bit deeper on that, the right to speak and then the call to speak? Sure. When any of us have been given any authority, either by God or by other people, we have the right to speak. So when I go to the doctor, I'm in charge of my body. In fact, I'm a steward of my body. I not I I not only can speak if I want to, I have a right and actually a need to speak up for myself, a need to advocate for myself. If I've been given a team or a job at work, my bosses have given me authority over that. I have a right to speak. If I'm a parent, I'm in charge of these children. I have a right to speak. And that is important. And I think many of us actually shy away from the areas where we have a right and an obligation to speak up. These are the authorities given to me. If I'm at work and I let a project go sideways because I was scared or timid or held back, I actually haven't done my job. And so that is that is a problem. So we have the right to speak in many of these formalized ways. But a call to speak are those sort of outside the authority moments where God has given us gifting that is unique to us, that fits in a unique situation. 
Now, sometimes this gets confusing in like a team environment where I have both a right and then sometimes a call to speak up. So um, I might be on a team, which means I have the right to speak up anytime I want to. And I think many people with um, sort of insecurity or imposter syndrome or sticky floors, even when we're in a team meeting, we're like, should I speak up? Should I not speak up? And I would just encourage you, if you are sitting in that meeting, you have a right to speak. Every person in that meeting has a right to speak up. And over the things you have authority for, you actually have a responsibility to speak up. But then there are those moments where there is a need among the team that you have a gifting for. So for instance, my gifts, my primary gifts are administration, which is organizing of resources, a strategy gift. Um, I'm a teacher. So I bring a lot of information or explain things in a very simple way that people can understand. That's part of the gift of teaching. And I'm an encourager. So I like to give us hope. I like to bring energy. I like to spur people on toward the future. Uh, so that's my gift combination. And everywhere I go, those are my, that's my calling. So if my if my department is being uh, talked about, I have a right to speak up for my department. But if the team is, is uh, getting discouraged, or if there is a lack of organization and there's confusion, or we're missing some key pieces of information, I actually have a call to speak because I'm the one on the team who has the gifts that can serve the team through my personal individual calling. And many times my calling and my job line up, but many times they don't. And so we're stewarding both. I have a right to speak up, but I also have a call to speak up when those unique circumstances present themselves. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Great. Uh, it's yeah, it's 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 fabulous. And I appreciate it. And like I said, I'm a guy. And um, but I still the book was still phenomenal for me. So I really appreciate it. Um, day 22. Um, I just highlighted some of the days that really jumped out to me. I highlighted a lot of the book, but I, we don't have time to discuss all, all my thoughts today. But day 22, um, you, you write about sensing the call to speak up for female leaders who couldn't speak up for themselves. Could you just to share about how you have developed that courage to do that and then the kind of the process of how that um, unfolded and continues not just to unfold. It wasn't a one time event because you continue to do that and um, you do it in a, um, a very respectful way, but also you, you have great courage. Could you just share a little bit about that? Well, I think I was referring to a story on that day where I had some spiritual leaders not in my church, but some really influential pastors um, encouraged me to sort of hold back on some of the things I was talking about because it would put some pastors who were being questioned about their sexual purity um, really in question and they wanted to protect them. And I appreciated that and I am a protector of pastors. Um, but I think at the same time, I really had a sense that God was calling me to speak up for women who had been a um, not necessarily abused, but particularly female leaders who had been taken advantage of or were put in really inappropriate situations with their spiritual leaders. And, uh, and it was a struggle for me to know what to do because I had these very authoritative figures, mentors in my life, uh, pushing me on one side. And on the other hand, I had this work that I felt like God had called me to, to be a voice for women uh, because of the opportunities I had been given and because of the networks I was a part of uh, that just sort of positioned me to have a stronger voice than many of them could have in their own local church, especially if they had a pastor who was not behaving in the best ways. Um, and so 
that discernment of that calling, uh, I think is partly me knowing my giftedness and walking through the doors got open for me. I didn't, I wasn't like 12 years old and was like, I'm going to champion women. In fact, I was not 45 years old and thought I'm going to champion women. I just sort of was helping churches multiply and in the midst found this topic, this problem. I really am oriented to solving problems. I did a research project. I had one conversation with a friend that was like a two-line email that turned into a book deal. You know, it was just God opened these doors. And these are all things I tried to make happen for myself, by the way, for 20 years, and they never did. So when God just sort of opens things for you, you know you're being you're being moved into a, a new calling. And um, and so for me, I was I was seeing those doors open. I was giving this platform to speak up. It was being fruitful, right? My little effort was multiplying in ways I was not in control of and couldn't even uh, strategize for myself. And so I knew God was at work and I was more and more confident of my um, not, o- not only like opportunity, but ability to speak to this in a unique way that was really fruitful in the kingdom. And at this, and at the same time, I had had you know thirty five years of walking with the Lord, where small obedience builds your courage. And I think one of the biggest paradoxes is that we think of courage, particularly when we look at some of the highlighted men in the Bible. They have these big courage moments, but we sometimes forget all these smaller obedient moments that lead up to that. And for me, that decision to stick with my calling, even though it disappointed some of these leaders, and even though it put me at risk for not having as much influence or for maybe not uh, like losing some platform. For me, I had learned those lessons over and hundreds of times over with the Lord in dumb things, right? My high school math test, my college RA job, you know, the guys I dated, my first job, um, how I supervised people, people I hired, the way I networked, who I was friends with. Like, I felt like I had had chiseled out of me this um, trap of caring what other people think more than pleasing just the Lord. And in my journey, I don't think everybody has this journey, but for my journey, almost always when it comes down to it, I am asked to work the solo road. Like anytime I have a lot of people excited for me um, and liking what I'm doing, I have an inner sense this won't last for long. And usually Mm. my next big calling eliminates that. And I start out kind of like on my own. Now I'm up a level. I I mean, in the Lord's economy, I'm upgraded, right? I'm still taking steps forward, but in other people's minds, it really looks like I've lost influence, but somehow he miraculously brings it back again. And so I think for me, um, there is a, there is a discernment issue about who we are, but there's also an obedience issue in the daily lessons God gives us. It's kind of like David going before Goliath he only did that because he had killed a bear and a lion, right? He, he's like, he had practiced this in the quietness of just himself and knew what God could do. So he went into that with a different courage than any of those other soldiers who had been in the ranks and trying to please their leaders for decades. They didn't have the same courage David had because he forged the skill set in solitude with just the Lord. And that, that's what we lean on. That's really our faith journey. Yeah. And uh, I just it's, you know, your your voice um, specifically in this this area, this arena is, um, yeah, it's, it's gracious, it's respectful, but it's courageous. And um, it's a it's a unique um, 
coupling of all those different giftings. And um, as you say, I mean, there's obvious that God has um, given you spiritual gifting to speak into this area and lead. And um, as you say, being, and I would, I would say an innovator. Um, that's when I think of you as, as I think of an innovator. So, yeah. Um, when you talk about, you talked about this, the, this discernment um, and when to use our leadership voice and when not to, um, are there, you shared a little bit earlier on, you talked a little bit about it now. That's, I mean, yeah. Could you just share a little bit more about that and that discernment process? Or do you have like steps in your head? Do you wait to hear a word from the Lord or is it different every time or yeah. Yeah. I think for me, there's sort of like the majority of the time, um, it's going to be important for me to use my voice when um, my, the authority that's been given to me, as I mentioned before, and uh, is in play and when it lines up with my giftedness. So I don't have to be someone I'm not. If there's something that my authority calls me to speak up for, I'm going to do it in a way that matches my giftedness. That's the that's going to always be the thing I bring to the table because that's what God wired me to do. Um, so whenever something triggers either my authority or my giftedness, um, and it's in the context of both of those, then that really matters. So even in our families, like I, I think of when um, we've had some families like my parents or my husband's parents were really ill. We didn't have authority to make decisions, healthcare decisions, but I certainly had a voice. I have a I mean, I'm a nurse in my previous career. I still hold my license. I do my continuing education credits, right? I'm, I'm actually, I'm gifted and have a lot of experience in this. Plus I love my family and I'm an organizer and an encourager, right? Those are all great things when you're trying to make healthcare decisions. And so I felt like there were moments, even though I didn't have the authority, I did have the gifting to add value or to give perspective. And many times that was followed because that's what I'm made to do. Other times with my son, even if it's in an area I don't know much about, he's had an issue with his eyes. I'm, I've never did nursing of ophthalmology, but, you know, I Googled, but I'm his parent. And so I will advocate. I will knock the doors down to get in the specialist at the university. I will do all those things and use my voice to do it because he's under my authority. And the best is when both of those things come together. That's the majority of the time. And I would say anytime it triggers, we have to discipline ourselves to use our leadership voice out of obedience, not when we feel like it, not when we think it's going to be popular, not when someone is encouraging us to do it, not when we catch our boss's eye and he gives us the wink to go ahead. You now have permission to speak. But because of the because of what God gave us, God gave us the authority and the gifting. We walk in faith of what God gave us. Now that's tempered by what man gives us, but God works through mankind to give us authority. So all of that works under God's hand. But the second case is when there are those unique moments. And I would say this is like maybe 5% of the time. So it's not very often, but as a believer, it's important we uh, are watching for those sort of out of the box, Holy Spirit inspired and anointed unique times. And there have been only a few of these in my life, but the the power of the Holy Spirit was so present in the moment. And I felt it internally, that nudge, that encouragement. I feel this mostly in evangelism. I'm not gifted in evangelism. So when I take a bold step of faith to share my faith in a, especially a very like highly risky situation. And for me, because I'm not gifted in this and I have no real authority over most people in the world, <laughs> it always feels risky, right? I'm like way out of my comfort zone. But there are moments where you can just see God working in someone's life and I'm being nudged. 
And those are the moments that are actually a way bigger faith step than the obedient discipline moments of doing what I know how to do, right? Because this is something I have no experience in. This is something I'm just going with what could be. I don't, I'm not relying on myself at all. I think as believers, we fall into a trap when we want those unique moments to be all the moments. Hmm. Because even scripturally, you can look through almost every leader in the Bible, the majority of their time fell in line with their giftedness, fell in line with their authority, fell in line with what their organized calling expected role was. And every once in a while, there were these moments where they stretched a little outside of that or said something really unique. Now, sometimes you take Peter, the unique things he said were really sinful. So that's why you have to be extra careful when you get outside your authority and your calling. You have to be extra careful, but you still have to walk with faith. And a lot of times it just takes practice. Like the, one of the reasons Peter could walk so emboldened with the Holy spirit is he was so emboldened in his sinfulness. Right. And he could tell the difference once he had the Holy spirit of that same um, oomph in him was going to get displayed in a way that honored God, not in a way that distracted from God. So that's just part of the discipline of knowing who we are, And I would say we have more faith, more courage, and more strength to handle the unique moments when we're more obedient to the small moments. It's the principle of when you are given small things and faithful with them, God will give you bigger things. And so we steward that for ourselves, and we can't go after it. Those are moments God gifts us. And if you miss one, which all of us have missed them, just don't worry about it because God will bring you another one. Just steward the things he's given you and be responsive to when he calls you. Yeah. And that, I think that's, that's encouraging to me. I think, cause sometimes I think that if we, we're afraid, if we miss it, we miss the, miss the opportunity that, that the opportunity might not ever come back again. And um, I think that's the, the faithfulness of, of, of our God. And I think the important principle to remember is that it's not about you using your gift. Hmm. It's about the person receiving the ministry that hmm. they require. And so this is an Esther principle, right? Um, where Mordecai says, hey, if you don't want to go and talk to the king, that's fine. God will rise up a rescuer from somewhere else. But Hmm. who knows that you have been placed in such a position for such a time as this, right? So I have moments in my life, some of my biggest, saddest regrets have been moments that I look back on now. They were anointed moments for me, and Hmm. I miss them. Now, God replaced me. All of us can be replaced by someone else. So the person and the people on the receiving end of that did not miss out. No one went to hell because I didn't take a step of faith, but I missed out. I missed the moment. I missed the ministry. I missed the blessing. I missed uh, having a role in that person's life. I'm the one who missed out. And that's what motivates me to never miss another moment. That's good. That's a good, very, very good, very good word. Shifting, um, you know, I've kind of just had our questions all towards men or men. They could apply more to men or, or, or women. But the female leaders, you talk about the likability trap on day 35. Um, could you just share a little bit about for 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 ladies to encourage them, um, female leaders, and then also for male leaders, you know, how we can how we can recognize this and maybe how we can encourage that trap not to be there? 
Sure. The likability trap is a research-based principle that when we see men grow in an organization, so they take on higher and higher levels of leadership, they tend to be respected more for sure because they've got more authority, more influence, but they also tend to be liked more. People enjoy their company more. They want to have lunch with them. They just like them as a person and they respect them as a leader. For women, when they grow in the organization, uh, they tend to have to, people tend to choose. I either will respect you or I will like you, but I will not do both. So as women grow in an organization and have higher and higher leadership roles, they tend to be liked less and oftentimes they are respected less. So it's the opposite of what happens to men. Most women know exactly what I'm talking about, and they know what this feels like, which is one of the reasons why many women choose to not take promotions that they're offered is because it's going to cost them their friendship. They won't have the same camaraderie with other women. It will be intimidating to other women. They may not articulate it or even know that's the tension they're feeling, but the research is showing us, and usually when I articulate this to women, they're like, uh, yeah, that's true. Because if I become all these people's bosses, their wives are not going to want me in the small group anymore. I won't be part of the mom club. Or if I'm now in charge of these things, I'm going to have to fire people. I'm going to have to say no to budget requests. And that is true. And people will, uh, you know, think I'm a bad word is basically what it ends up with. And so women feel caught between these two things. Do I want to be respected or do I want to be liked? And then those of us who have taken leadership roles, we sometimes feel the pressure, right? Do I fire the person and have them not like me and all their friends not like me? Or do I keep them on and therefore not lead as well and lose respect with my peers and with my leaders and even some people on the team? So one of the pieces that we talk about is really getting down to where is that coming from internally? And do you have to choose? Does God require us to choose? Or can we actually navigate both of them? So I talk about it quite a bit in here because it's a very big trap for female leaders. And it's one of the reasons why professional networks are so important for women. Because many times as women are growing in an organization, especially if it's a male populated one, again, they're one of the first or only women. There are no sort of um, role models. There isn't a script for women. It's easy for other people, particularly other women lower in the organization to become judgmental, wives of the people this woman is working with become insecure for their husbands. So there becomes a lot of tension around this and professional networks really end up helping women find uh, camaraderie with women who are leading at high levels also. So mm-hmm. there, there's some conversations you just can't have with people till they're at your same level of leadership. If you've never fired someone, if you've never had to rework your entire strategic plan, if you've never had to build a team from scratch, if you've never had to defend and advocate for your department, it's really hard to relate to women who have um, who have had to do that or not had to do that. We need to find our professional peers as well as our friendship base. And in church ministry, this is very complicated because that's the same pool of people. Wow. <laughs> and so um, that's why we have, like I have a face group Uh, Facebook group called Ministry Chick. That's one of the things we're trying to do is create a space. We have uh, almost 3,000 women there for women who are leading, not just in ministry, not just serving, but in leadership roles where you're making decisions that cause you to choose between being liked and being respected. That's a lot of what we talk about there. Wow. And so that that idea of being liked or respected, you you shared that the research shows that actually as a female leader, that actually they're maybe liked less or respected less. Is that from a female to female or is that male to female or is it 
or did it's you both. research yeah, both I ways? probably emphasize the women a little bit because that's what we feel in church more but it's it's both men and women like them less so hmm. when a man goes higher both men and women like and respect him more when a woman goes higher both men and women like her less wow wow that is uh yeah I think it's, a lot of that to be honest I feel like we're five to ten years away from that really changing a lot of it is we just haven't seen enough women grow in leadership that we're comfortable with female looking leadership and so um, I see it in nursing because I came from a female dominant profession right so sure. men had the same issue in female roles kind of like every chief of nursing I ever worked for was still a man somehow they still <laughs> were all the women but in the but for the most part it um, our society knows what male leadership looks like but female leadership is an anomaly except in female oriented professions yeah and I think that's you know I obviously I was a nurse first and right out of high school, went to nursing school. And, and um, I would say the majority, all of my leaders, um, heads of nursing and those were female leaders. And so I became very um, comfortable with uh, used to female leaders. And it's always, it was as when I entered the working world, that is just the way it was. And that was the, the system that was in place. And, um, but honestly, in the church world, you know, my mom was a very strong leader in the church. She developed the parish nurse program for our community and she was a leader. But in the church, you're right. It, it was interesting because it was almost like a shift. You know, I would at the hospital. We had female leaders that not not only made they made life and death decisions. I mean, that's that's basically it. And they they allocated budgets. They had great capacity and um, in a caring profession. They did phenomenal. But when when you shifted to the church somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to see both sides of it and um, have great respect um, for female leaders. And part of that's because my mother and, and sisters and wife are at the same time getting to see it in the nursing field was. I was love a, that. Well, it just shows you how much culture plays a role in sure. what shapes our understanding of men and women and how they lead and why it's important that we really shift our cultures so that everyone who has a leadership gift, because we don't decide who gets a leadership gift. And I'm not an advocate for women without leadership going into leadership. This is not about women leading. This is about people with gifts of leadership, every person with the gift of leadership getting to lead in the local church because that's who God made them to be. That's what we need to focus on. That's that's phenomenal. Day 50, um, you talk about the acronym CARES. Um, and uh, could you just share about that acronym and how that helps you decide when to use? I valued this because you specifically honed in in a meeting, you know, and uh, I think that the dynamics in a meeting are a little bit sometimes can be different. We're all in a lot of Zoom meetings now um, because face to face, at least for for global workers, it's a lot of Zoom meetings. But can you just share that and how you use that um, acronym to help guide um, in a meeting and, and sharing your with your voice? Sure. This is just a little acronym um, I made up mostly for myself to try and give myself a framework of what I need to remember when I go into a space, particularly a space I feel a little intimidated by, which okay. when you are a leader, meetings are a part of your world. Now, there are some really good meetings and some really bad meetings, but what, regardless of what you think of meetings or if you like them or not, they are a part of your life. And so this is really helpful. The C-A-R-E-S is the acronym. So C is to remember to come in with confidence. Now, for me, confidence 
confidence is not about just psyching myself up and playing eye of the tiger on my, you know, phone before I go in. It's, it's not fake. I'm not interested in fake confidence. Um, to me, confidence is a combination of courage and competency. Courage to me is about faith, right? I'm, I'm courageous because of what God has done for me. I'm courageous because I believe he's put me here. I'm, I'm walking in God's courage. That's what courage to me. But competency is also important. So if I'm going into a meeting that I know nothing about, there's I'm probably not going to be confident. And that is okay. I should not be confident about my incompetence. And that's what gets us into trouble. We have to acknowledge what we know and what we don't know. Um, the challenge is when you actually do know what you're doing and you choose not to be courageous in it and you lose confidence. That's the problem, which is why it's so important to know your gifting and to know your authority and remind yourself of the truth. Satan would like to lie to us and say, say to us, you're not good at that or you're, you shouldn't speak up about that. But when we know what God's done, we take courage in what he's done and in the competency we have. So that's confidence. So I need to walk in with confidence. I can't show up late. I can't be disheveled. I can't sit in the corner. I can't take the back row, right? I'm a leader. And if I want to have a voice, I need to show up. With, I need to walk in as a fully present person, as someone who's bringing energy, who's bringing ideas, who's excited to be there. I walk into a lot of meetings and no one wants to be there. And I'm like, if I'm the only person with positive energy, I'm going to rule the room. Why would I not want to lead the energy of the room? That's what leaders do. So I don't mind stepping into that vacuum of leadership, right? So confidence. The second is advocate and advocate is mostly about who can I advocate for in the meeting? Because we know that what we sow, we reap, you know, it is better to give than to receive. And so if you want to have a voice, particularly if you're new to that or new to advocating, don't demand that you be heard, demand that all the voices be heard, speak up for everyone else. When you can start to build a culture of advocating for each other's perspective, you will also get to share your perspective more freely. So look around, be there with confidence. And then how can you advocate for other people who are maybe holding back a little bit? Uh, R stands for read the room. We are all humans and we have to have some social awareness about who our team is, what things we're talking about. You know, it's the, it's the socially inept person that like, you know, everyone's starving for lunch or really has to go to the bathroom because you all had coffee served at the beginning of the meeting at nine o'clock. And now it's 1030 and 1045 and everyone's doing this, squishing around in their seat and doing that, you know, the little <laughs> foot dance underneath the table. That's not the time to create your new 30 minute presentation, right? <laughs> so we need the room. If, if I remember going to a meeting and someone had passed away from our church staff. And there was someone trying to initiate a new thing that he was fighting for. And I just thought, our hearts are broken today. Like, this is important and there is a deadline, but there's also an awareness that just even just checks in with everybody and says, I know this has been a big week, but we've delayed this three weeks. I'm willing to wait. Or do you feel like we can take 20 minutes and talk about this? Just read the room and connect as humans. It's going to help everything go better. You, The whole point of leading is to have your audience understand what you're trying to communicate. So if, they, if there's something blocking the understanding, then deal with it and move on. Um, but it's not an excuse, right? You, if there's never going to be an ideal situation. So you want to read the room, but you don't want to cater to the room. This is not about uh, waiting for the time all seven people will be exactly in the perfect mode at the same time. That will never happen. 
Uh, so C-A-R-E stands for early on the agenda. It's important, especially if you are uh, not as skilled in using your leadership voice or you get nervous or you have a big presentation with a lot of information you're trying to hold, just ask to go first on the agenda. I find that just being proactive, I mean, many meetings I walk into, the leader has no agenda. They're making it up as they go. So if I'm a day or two ahead of time saying, hey, can I please be first? And then as I get there a few minutes early, I check in, I'm like, hey, Am I still good to go first? It would be really nice for me to set up my stuff. It just allows you to take care of your items first, and then you can sit back for the rest of the meeting and concentrate and be yourself in the rest of the meeting. It gets everybody's attention fresh. So that's a trick to try and go early or first. Sometimes it's not possible, but if you can do. And then the last one, S, is about being solutions focused. I meet so many leaders who come in and bring only the problems. Um, that is a doer scenario. That is a follower mindset. A leader brings solutions. So you have to present the problem so that everyone on your team understands why you have a solution to present. And you probably need to bring more than one solution because you, if your perspective matters to someone else, their perspective should matter to you. But if you bring a few options, a few solutions that everyone can bat around, chances are you will get a solution before you end the meeting. And so bringing that solution versus just being a drain, particularly if it's not your meeting, it's someone else's meeting, man, that I can tell the difference between a leader and a follower in about a 30 minute meeting. It's because I can see who did their homework, who thought ahead, who's looking ahead, who's bringing ideas. Even if we don't even pay attention to your ideas, the fact that you took some time to have some, right? <laughs> and then I can see the person who's so stuck in the problem, they can't see out of it. They're still living in the past. They're not leave, even living in today. They're just living about what happened and how hard it is today. And then I can tell the people who are winging it, the people who just show up and are just verbally processing. They're just being an immature team member. So you've got a mature leader and an immature leader, and then someone who's not a leader. If you want it, and all of those, by the way, are skill sets you can learn and train yourself to do. Many of us have leadership gifts, but most of us have leadership skills that we've acquired. So those are the five things, confidence, advocate, read the room, early on the agenda and solution, solutions focused. That's the CARES approach to participating in a meeting as a leader. I love it because those are that is something that I can take, I can use. When, next time in a meeting, I can use that to apply it. And um, I really, really appreciate it. I love acronyms. And that one jumped jumped out to me and um, really, really helped me and uh, appreciate it. Katie, I've taken more of your time than I've asked for, but will you pray for us um, and uh, pray for the audience that, and specifically our female leaders that are listening in um, your book? We'll put links to your book. And, and how can people follow you and get more information before we before you pray. Sure. So my website is katiecole.com. And then we also have a website set up for the book called, uh, awesome. it's findyourleadershipvoice.me, M-E. And on that, we've actually got a video series you can do as a small group, which I really recommend. It's my eight top leadership lessons I usually teach executive pastors when I do conferences and cohorts with them. Um, and so that is a really key complement to the book. And then the book and the journal, and then there's some free coaching emails you can get. There's some downloads. So we tried to create a real training system to accelerate a leader's ability to know and use your leadership voice. Awesome. Awesome. I'll put links to all that in the show notes. Will you pray for us today? I would love to. Thank you. God, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you that we get to have a leadership voice that you gave us. You 
uniquely designed it. You gifted us. You called us. You gave us the experiences to practice. And Jesus, I'm praying for every person listening to this, that you would just stir up in them a deeper understanding, a more um, sacred appreciation for what you have put inside of them that the world needs. There is a reason they are born and alive in this time and place in history. And it's easy to look at what's happening all around us and think, oh my gosh, how will we ever, or what is happening, or I don't know, or I'm not sure. But God, you are sure. You know exactly what's happening. And for whatever reason, you chose us to be the leaders of your kingdom in this time. We don't take that for granted. We don't set that aside, God. We lean into that with purpose and with faith, knowing that you have work you want to do in us, and especially you have work you want to do through us. And so we open our lives up. We give you our leadership voice, God. Would you strengthen it? Would you grow it? Would you use it for your glory and for the benefit of others? I particularly pray for our female leaders, God. Would you help them to see themselves like you see them? Help them to see themselves with honest eyes, with uh, encouraged hearts, and with skilled hands, God, that you would fulfill every purpose you have anointed and ordained for them in their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.